You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What's the best way to pick a diamond in the rough off the racetrack? This week, we're talking about OTTBs and how to train one successfully. Also, have you tried the latest and greatest horse sports drink just yet? Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 114 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. Hello, what's hello. going on? Not much. Did you guys have a happy 4th of July? Yeah, it was a lot of fun, ours was. Yeah? I was pleasantly surprised. All my horses did not care at all, (laughs) even though my neighbor was setting off very large fireworks. (laughs) I feel like 4th of July is always the mark of, like, the miserable time in Florida. (laughs) You know it's only going to get hotter. Yeah, like this, like you're just in it now. You know what I mean? Like this is it. It's hurricanes. It's miserable. So it's one of my least favorite holidays. But we all survived here too. So that's (laughs) good to report. All right. So guys, I have an interesting drink this week that I read in the New York Times because I'm a snob. But it's their drink of the summer. And I thought I would share it because it's a little different for us. They call it a Tinto de Verano, and it's going to sound a whole lot like sangria, but hang with me here because I want to explain to you why it's not sangria. Okay. Okay. All right. So your ingredients are you want some ice cubes. You're going to use some red wine, a couple of ounces of lemon lime soda, like Sprite or 7-Up, and that's it. You can use a lemon wedge for garnish if you want, and basically you stir it all together, and that's how you drink it. So why this is not actually sangria is because it's an equal parts mixture of red wine and also that lemon lime soda. It's pretty simple. Like I have a really good sangria recipe from Alton Brown, if you guys are like into the Food Network shows. It is amazing, but it includes some liqueur in it. And you have to kind of ferment the fruit the night before with sugar. And it's amazing. It's like I always get compliments when I make this sangria. So obviously this is less labor intensive in that you just you pour the the soda in with the red wine. I might have to try this because this is like right up my alley. I know it's in. And so the summer. Right. They're calling it the drink of the summer because it's easy to make. It's a little bit less alcohol because you're not adding any liqueur or like brandy or anything to it. It's easy to pack, like if you wanted to take it to the beach or a picnic. And but I also think I also think that it's nice because red wine is not normally a summer drink. And I've talked to you guys a bunch about like my white wine spritzers and stuff where I've put, right. you know, uh, strawberries and stuff in them. But I am I prefer red wine. And so this might be like a good alternative, like to get it, you know, just a summery drink and make it lighter, basically. So I'm super excited about this one. Right. And I just like that it sounds easy to make. That yeah, that's you. That's all me. You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no sludge drink. No comeback of the sludge nope. drink. Exactly. But anyways, it's easy to make. There's less sugar in it. There's less alcohol in it than a sangria. And you don't have to buy an expensive or like very like full-bodied, nice bottle of red wine for this to work. Like you can get by mm. with your more average red wine for it to be like a tasty, easy drinking summer drink. So we will share the recipe with you guys, but I like this one. 
So this episode is supported by Clip My Horse TV, the live stream provider for equestrian events around the world. Do you already know that Clip My Horse TV Marketplace? There you can buy and sell horses all over the world. And that best thing about it, it's easy and completely free. The Marketplace is an ideal place to search for full sport horses, all different price ranges and performance levels. Clip My Horse TV has a worldwide network to help you find the right horse. They provide you with everything you need to take your horse experience to the next level. Don't miss a chance to make your horse a star. Visit Clip My Horse TV Marketplace today and discover what they have in store for you and your horses. All right, guys. So uh, I'm excited to share some news with you. And just a reminder that our news segment is brought to you by the Heels Down Spark, the only daily equestrian newsletter. It's free. You can subscribe by going to bit.ly slash spark by HD. Jess, do you want to kick us off? I will. Uh, so the FEI is trying to control everything again. Uh, always one of my favorite <laughs> topics to deal with. <laughs> right now, though, I feel like they've taken it to a new level of craziness. I mean, and for me to say that, you guys know, like I talk about it all the time. But this time, I think it's going to affect, honestly, everybody. And it I'd love to hear Justine's opinion as like a writer and everything else and journalist. And I just have a huge problem. So basically they're proposing a bunch of different rule changes, different little wordages will be changed. But the biggest one that I find to have the problem is over their general regulations, the FEI is now proposing a social media policy for athletes and officials. So they basically want to add two new policies or proposals that say that both social media for one for the FEI officials and one for athletes. And they detailed in their proposal and they write out, this is in quote, should exercise good, meaning the athlete or official should exercise good judgment and think about potential consequences of their posts and interactions on social media platforms. They should not make derogatory, offensive, inflammatory comments about other athletes, chef to keeps, coaches, teams, FEI officials, organizers, the FEI, or any individual associated with equestrian sport. Now, in theory, I agree you should not talk badly about somebody and all this. Like, I agree with all of this, but then the fact that they should be able to regulate it and that they basically want to they are now saying that you also should strive to be accurate and reliable with your information on social media platforms, that you should fact check before sharing and commenting on news and events related to their sport. Sharing false information or spreading rumors can have detrimental effects on the sport and stakeholders. All of that I totally agree upon. I think that you should be nice. I think you should, you know, be able to say something. But what I don't like is that basically Whenever they find something to be in violation that they don't agree upon, that they will then, you're in trouble. So you can't speak your mind. If you find that there is a cross-country course, there's a jump on it, you don't feel safe. And so I'll use, for example, Doug, during the World Equestrian Games, there was a jump that had no ground line, no filler. He posted online when we were walking the course. I remember this. He went yeah. and talked to him, and they wouldn't change it. But Doug wasn't riding, but he said, look, I'm on several safety committees. This is not a good look for our sport. So he went to social media, posted it. They All they had to do, they ended up putting bushes on the side, and so they, it was used as a ground line, basically, and they fixed what Doug found to be a problem. Now, if Doug posted that, now with this rule maybe going into effect, they'll fine him. 
He can't say anything. You cannot say anything about, um, there are a couple other countries that have these social media policies that you can't talk about situations. So like if a horse has a bad accident, something happens, you didn't like, you know, and you're just like literally putting out there, like I'm thinking of this horse or rider or whatnot, they can find that inappropriate and fine you. They can go after you. And all you're trying to do is actually be nice and say you're thinking of them and that you hope they're the best. Like, you know, they got into an accident, something happens and you're just posting because one of, it could be your friend. It could be this, like you can't post any of that. They will deem what you can post. And I find that that to be a little overstepping everything. Yeah. It takes away our freedom of speech. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. And that's why I'd love to hear Justine's. I mean, and there are other proposed things where they want to make sure that, you know, a lot they're going, they're going to take away, you know, tightness of nose bands are trying to talk about different spurs, not being able to use. They're talking about, you know, a lot with the jumping, just a couple different rule changes there. Okay. Yes. Fine. And then the weird one is like for veterinary regulations, uh, they don't want horses tacking up and being groomed outside the aisle. So you have to like take it from your stall and not like wipe it off at all or have it in crossed eyes or have it anywhere. Like they say in any manner because of biosecurity. Now, do I find that that's actually, if you're keeping them in the same stable right next to each other, why does it matter if you're tacking up? And how can they enforce that? That seems like a silly thing. Oh, that one's easy because you're in secure stabling. So Uh, they walk around and if you end up stopping, they're going to find you for that. And they're going to find grooms and they're going to find like, it's just, all of those are maybe a little over the top, but the one, oh, and my favorite one was they wanted to ban, I don't actually think this one's going to, nobody's in favor for it, but they wanted to ban the use of phones while riding, which, whatever, I think Doug would have the bigger problem with that, but like, <laughs> and, and I, I don't think that that was fine, and that one's not going through, and that's fine. I was going to say, that's... That was just up in other orgs too, like USHGA is considered that. um, Yeah. I mean, it it never never goes anywhere. No. And those aren't the ones that I'm concerned about when reading these proposals. It's the very first one. And who do they deem? Like, if anybody, because they're saying now that they're going, you know, they're going to have a significant impact on horses, grooms, riders, officials, and organizers. And that's exactly it. It's going to affect everybody. And I think. It's very hard. Okay, yes, maybe not every country has freedom of speech and everything else, but that is one thing of, you know, it should be our right. And what they're saying is if you're in the FEI, you will sign away all those rights. It's tricky. It, it, it's very tricky. I I look at it and I, I like the stance that they're taking on misinformation, right? A hundred percent. They're holding athletes who when you're riding at that fei upper level of the sport you are someone who is in the limelight and you represent the sport wherever you go no matter what you post no matter what you say you are representing the sport and i i think we're a niche enough sport we're not everybody thinks about that all the time but if you're if you're in the nba if you're in the nfl you know what i mean like you what you say resonates with Hundreds of yeah, hundreds of thousands, millions of people in, and the same precedent should be set among our top uh, Olympic level athletes here. But I agree with you, Jess. Right? Like, there, you're still allowed to express concern, especially when it comes to horse welfare. Concern about 
where the sport is headed because you're as an athlete at that level, you're someone with the authority who's allowed to say, Hey, this is wrong. Right. And, and stand up because then you're not holding anybody accountable. Exactly. So then you don't, then anybody can do whatever. So I think that, yes, there is something that you should have and be kind and everything else. So those aspects, a hundred percent, but like, what if you're not trying to be unkind? What if you're actually trying to use it for safety or you're trying to be right, kind exactly. and they take it in the wrong context? This is why censorship just doesn't work at all, right? Because no. you can't make a blanket statement like that. I think the better option would be to have media training for all, <laughs> all athletes <laughs> right? at that level and teach people what the impact that what you say can have because it yeah. uh, it can really hurt your career and it can really help your career. and it can. And, and those it can inspire change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and all of that. So like, and a lot of people aren't familiar with it, but like, if you're right. going to go restrict any kind of ability to say, Hey, look, I don't think you're doing a good enough job because you're truly not doing a good enough job as an official or as a course designer or as an organizer, or, I mean, like, think about it. That could just, you know, take off and the organizers or the officials or the state, it could be in poor conditions and you can't say a word about it. Well, so something as a journalist, this concerns me because what if a athlete reached out to a reporter and said, Hey, there's this problem here. And I think it needs to be brought out into the light. Right. And that's what a journalist would do, would write about it. But uh-huh. if they quoted that athlete, and that athlete got in trouble, you know, that, that just creates all kinds of problems. Yeah. So, so you're so going to have agree. people go about, you're going to have people go about it in a not favorable way. And then they're going to be a lot more anonymous post. And instead of the person that doesn't There's really no want to hide it there. Yeah. yeah. And the person that doesn't want to hide it has no problem saying something, but now you're not allowed to like, yeah, I think you're overstepping your bounds boundaries by a long shot. It's scary to me too, because when you're taking away everybody's out, like everyone else's right to kind of make constructive criticism, then it's only one person or one organization guiding the show. And that's not successful in terms of growth. Like, I mean, that's like any workplace environment ever, right? If you don't listen to your employees and like what they're seeing as problems, that's not going to help you succeed as an organization. So it just doesn't make any sense, like fundamental organization wise either. It's kind of scary. Definitely. So I'll be curious to see where this goes, because I can't imagine that Justin, Doug Payne are the only people, you know, concerned about this. Right. You know, I'm sure no, there the are other scarier people, part you know? is, is a lot of people. It's kind of like getting swept under and a lot of people haven't really heard about it. And that's the other scary thing is it's not really getting any attention. And so we're trying to like educate and, you know, say, hey, look, like this is it because it's just another FEI proposal change. And it's like, you know, in the fine print, by the way, we're going to do this. This is why people should read and subscribe Mm -hmm. to Equestrian Outlets, because this has been covered by most of them. Exactly. if you're not if you're not reading, you're not paying attention. Right. This is my favorite argument I see every day from readers who read my newspaper, who live in my community and go, hey, you didn't cover blah, 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 blah. And this affects me. And I can very easily Google and find (laughs) five links of stories that we've covered about an issue that lawmakers voted on months ago, but no one pays attention until it's like affecting them right then and there, you know, and at that point it's too late. 
you know? Yep. So this is me standing on my soapbox to tell you to be a, an active, involved player in what is important to you, whether it's your community. And if your sense of community is the equestrian community, you should be reading and paying attention to what your organizing bodies are doing and the rules they're making. So now I'll step off the soapbox. <laughs> what do you got, Ellie? <laughs> Oh, well, I have some sad news. I don't know if you guys have heard yet about Jane Sleeper, uh, the five-star event rider who got into a riding accident at the end of May. Um, yes. Yeah, super I scary. Heard. I always love watching her and UN, and she's really great, well-respected rider. And sorry to hear that she's going through this hard time, both medically and now uh, financially, because it's left her. Uh, with an inability to work, which uh, I feel that. <laughs> so we'll leave the link in the notes here for the show, but there is a GoFundMe and they're also organizing an online auction through the 24th of July. That's going to have like a whole bunch of different things, lessons with five-star riders, body work certificates, and like tailgating passes, the Maryland five-star. So we'll leave the notes to all of that. And hopefully we're we're sending our positive vibes uh, to Jane and her recovery. What have you got, Justine? Uh, well, so I just thought we should take a minute and talk about Aachen because what an exciting horse show that was. It's one of my favorite of the year to watch just because it, one, it covers so many disciplines and, uh, and two, it just looks, it's like a bucket list horse show for me. I do hope I get to go there and see it in person one day. Cause it just seems like there's just so much excitement around it and it's such a beautiful place. And gosh, this year there were so many amazing performances. I think the highlight for me was seeing McLean retire Annie. Oh yes. Yes. Azur. It was really holding the hope that he was going to have this like amazing fairy tale Rolex Grand Slam final with her. And it didn't work out that way. But he's such a class act in that he gave the, he gave her like the most beautiful send off. But it was one of those moments, you know, someone who's just really admired McLean through the years and in, in just the sport and just like watching her go. It was very cool. It was a very nice moment. Also, uh, Jessica Brendau, Von Brendau, were not like her performances were amazing. The eventing team, I mean, the U.S. team really had a really wonderful silver finish. I mean, that was so exciting to watch. They were amazing. They um, all really stepped up. It makes me excited for Paris. I mean, I just yeah. feel like the American eventing has come a long way. Like it's, it feels like everything is peaking at the right time, right? You know, it's kind of cool to see. So, Jess, Ellie, I don't know if you guys have any. Aachen moments that you wanted to mention, but they, it was just a really great horse show to watch this year. And thanks to Clip My Horse TV because I watched it all there. <laughs> I, yeah, it was pretty sure. amazing. Uh, between the show jumping, it just never stopped being exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, both the show jumping and the eventing, you started off and, you know, it was kind of like some clear rounds or, you know, both in the show, like the proper show jumping and then in the, you know, eventing cross country kind of started off as some clear rounds. You thought, oh, this is going to be that. And then, it turned exciting so quick for both of them. It was so fun. Like we were like, Oh my goodness, did you watch this? And like, we're running upstairs and back and forth and we had it on our phones and our TV. I mean, I love, love clip my horse. Cause I can put it on my TV and not have to be synced to my phone or my computer. It's got the app. And so I, we watched the whole thing on and off and it was, it was thrilling in all aspects of uh, the competition. Absolutely. 
Big shout out to everyone who helps contribute to this podcast and make it possible every month on our Patreon. We have lots of exclusive content for you guys there. And if you haven't checked it out yet, do so. (laughs) We have some great content for you guys, and we really just appreciate everyone who helps make the podcast possible. You can check it out by going to patreon.com slash heelsdown. So, Justine, I heard you got some Gallagher water. Yes. Okay. So I'm super excited to talk to you guys about Gallagher's water. I'm sure you've heard of it by now. I feel like it's been making the rounds for for a little while now. And being in Florida, you know, adding something extra to my horse's hydration and how they drink is, you know, been the norm since I was a kid. It's just, it's hot here, right? So we're always looking for ways to ensure that our horses are drinking, and we've talked about other products. I really love Purina's Replenimash, but that's a little bit heavier, right? That's not just yeah. water. They're getting like a real meal out of that. And for a long time, I've always used just like Gatorade, you know, just get the powder and mix it. But it's, you know, that could be pretty sugary for the horses. So Gallagher's water sort of solves the problem of you don't want to feed your horse a whole meal. You don't want to give them too much sugar. This is a water additive that is designed specifically for hydration for horses. Uh, and so Gallagher's water is, it's literally all natural. It's alfalfa flavored and they come in, in various packets that you just, it's a powder mix that you put in a bucket, fill it with a hose and it's used to prevent dehydration. It's great. Like after a workout, or even if you want to help and get your horse to drink more before, or during or after travel, it's not really intended to be used like a, as free choice. Like I don't think you should necessarily put it in your buckets, like in your horse's stall. It's designed for like, okay, your horse has been sweating a lot or has been in a stressful environment. And you just want to make sure that you, you know, you can physically see them drink water, but yeah, it's, it's really awesome. Uh, like all it's all natural ingredients. Everything is meant to kind of replenish electrolytes and give your horse that relief of ac- after hard work, kind of just like us, you know, why we drink electrolytes after hard work. I, I don't think I've met a horse personally, like in, in, in my herd and through my friends that won't drink it. Like it's very tasty. It smells like alfalfa when you open it. Uh, I noticed it gives the water like a green tint, almost like it looks like you're soaking cubes, maybe not quite that green, but it dissolves very quickly in the water. And it's been something, I feel like I got a free trial from somewhere, like from a local tack shop to try it. And then since there, I've just bought it. But what I like about it is it's low in sugar, like I said, instead of like buying Gatorade from your grocery store, this is lower in sugar. So it's great for horses that might have metabolic conditions or you have some, you know, you're worried about sugar intake, but it really like, like Mikey, this is excellent for him. Like he thinks it's a treat. Like he sees me filling the bucket and his, his ears prick and he's nickering to me. Like he loves it. (laughs) Um, and you can, you can actually serve it warm too. So like Ellie, for you, like in the winter, if you're worried about horses drinking enough, you could put it in warm water and it could be used that way too. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. So in they do a really great job in that you can like look at all the ingredients and figure out what's in it if you're worried about how many calories or how much fiber or sugar. But it's it's literally made from all things that we already feed our horses what I like about the packaging is you like I I buy them and they come in these like little one serving packets that I just keep in my show trunk. So like when I'm at the horse show, 
they're always in there. I can grab it. I could fill a bucket and give my horse a bucket, like right when he comes off the trailer or if we're stopped for a while, like getting gas and give him a bucket of something to drink. It's really great. And it's very affordable. Like it's a cheap thing just to have in your toolbox. But what's really cool is Gallagher's water has been available in the U.S. for quite a while. But starting just this month, Gallagher's water is now available in Canada. They've just expanded to Canada and they have their own website. So if you're interested, you could check out Gallagher'sWater.ca. I'm going to spell out Gallagher's just so you know. It's G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R-S, waters.ca. And I'm sure we'll share more on our social channels so you guys can see the product up close. But I really can't recommend it enough. Like living in Florida, this is like I every time I see that I'm out, I order more just because it's I never know when I'm going to need it. And I like to have it on hand. That's how helpful it is. So, Justine, I wanted to touch base about I know you've got the one going to the Retired Racehorse Project. And uh, just tell our listeners, like, how did you find and what made you select that off the track thoroughbred? Okay, so great question. And also, it seem, it still seems surreal that I'm, at, you know, the makeover is like in it's, my sights. We're like, it's we're, happening. We are 90 days out. We're getting very close. It's crazy. Like, actually, in August is when the entries are due. So I have to like pay the remaining money of like, we're going to go. So, knock on wood, fingers crossed, whatever, like voodoo things, burn some sage. The horse doesn't get lame from now until then. But so, Wyatt is my retired racehorse project hopeful is what they call them. And he is eight years old. I've talked to you guys about him and he raced up until December of last year. So when I bought him in January, he was right off the track. Luckily I knew the reseller. It's the same woman I bought Mikey from. And so so she's someone I had a relationship with, which I think number one is huge. And if this is something you're interested in doing, I think that's really important. You know, she's been selling, horses off the track for many, many years, like decades, you know, so she has really good connections with horse owners off the track with breeders. She knows what she's looking at, right? She Uh, also knew what you were looking for after having Mikey and stuff like that. I think that's just as important is that she knows what she's looking for, but then she also knows kind of what you're looking for in that kind of capacity. Exactly. Yep. She and she's someone who I trust, obviously. But I will tell you, (laughs) she called me about this horse like out of the blue and asked me to come ride it. One, because she knew Mikey was in rehab, but two, because he was wild. (laughs) She was like, I can't I can't put a kid on my in my program on him. Can you come and ride him so I can get a like sale video going? So that's why I went and looked at him. I didn't go down there to buy a horse. (laughs) That's even better. (laughs) And then I got there and was like, I'm buying this horse. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but she, you know, I, I, uh, again, she's someone who I, I completely trust. I boarded with her for years. I, she's just a good person, you know, and, and she picks nice ones. She really does. Like I've been many of her off track horses through the years and there have been many where I'm like, man, if I had the money right now, I'd buy this one, you know? And so this one just came at the right time, but he was a little tough. So she sent me the video of him out in the field. Like she picked him up from the track and turned him out. And he just, I just watched him trot and went, wow, like he's trotting like this and raced last week and still in racing plates. I mean, that's pretty amazing. So I went down there and he was really hard to get on. That was his problem. So she actually blindfolded him. That's what she was doing. That's to get right. Back. 
Uh, which is dangerous and crazy. And, but you do what you got to do sometimes with horses. And it, it took many months. And I would say like literally this month, July is the first month I've had this horse since January that I feel confident that he can stand at the block and I can get on and nothing's going to happen. But it took all this time working on it for that issue to go away. But so anyways, what drew me to him was one, seeing him in person two watching him move uh, Jess, I had considered another one, I don't know, a, a year ago, and I sent you video yep. of it, and you were like, this one's lame, don't buy it. You know yep. what I mean? So there, <laughs> like, no. there, there are things like you got to have an eye for what you're looking for, and if you don't trust your own eye, it's really important that you have educated horse call. friends <laughs> yeah, who can look at something and go, uh, definitely pre-purchase that one, or you know what I mean? Look at... Tell the I vet told to you look not at even a word to pre-purchase. I was like, don't spend your money. Just I, keep right. going to the next. And I didn't buy that one. I walked away. I know. From, you know, so that's the thing. Like thoroughbreds are great because they are often affordable, but you just need to know what you're working with because they are just expensive <laughs> as any other horse. And if you, if you don't know what's going on underneath, you know, you can, there could be a lot of heartbreak down the road, right? So I always recommend doing the pre-purchase, no matter how cheap the horse is off the track. And also know, I think something that a lot of people, they look at a horse off the track and, and don't anticipate or don't plan for is that horse is going to change tremendously in the first six months that you own it. I mean, it is coming off a job that is that's like being a, a five-star horse or, you know what I mean? Like it's a very high level fitness of work that it's doing and what it's eating and it's feet, everything about its body is going to have to change so much because you need one to let it down, let its body rest and then figure out what it needs to, to stay healthy, to keep weight on, to build top line as it transitions to a job that's going to be way lighter in the workload than what it's used to. And then understanding the needs of, of new training. So when I first had Wyatt, he looked great. I mean, he was shiny, full of dapples, big and round. Like he, he was just a beautiful horse. And then within two months, he looked very ugly, you know, as he transitioned and I got him on ulcer meds. And But that's very often part of the process with thoroughbreds. We pulled his shoes off and he was crippled. You know, like there are all these things you just have to be ready to to make that investment on the front end to to get them to flourish. Right. It just takes yep. time. There are also things about racehorses that people you, their routine in their barns and with the people who handle them couldn't be more different than the way we handle horses as pets and as amateur hobby sports horses uh, like mine. Why well, I didn't know how to cross tie. I knew that I, most thoroughbreds don't know how to cross tie when they come off the track. He was very good in the trailer, but the cross ties were, were a problem. Standing for the farrier was trouble in the beginning. The first time I had a Cairo touch him, he was like going through the roof of the barn. He just had never been touched in that, in that way by another person. You have to give them some grace as they figure out this new lifestyle. Cause you're like an alien to them, you know, like he would, his poor eyes would just bug out of his head. Cause he was like, what are you going to do to me? Yeah. You know? And it like now, so I don't know how many months it's been at least six months, but I feel like he's finally coming around to trust me to be like, Oh, like, okay. Life's pretty good with you. You know, even being turned out like this poor horse didn't understand what it meant to be like out in a pasture in the beginning. Like he wanted to pace the fence line. I had to convince him, like, I swear you're going to want to be out here on the grass. I promise. 
And that's the best thing I ever did for this horse was just turn him out. You know, you just got to be prepared, I guess. It's not just like buying a horse from another, another person that's had a job or even if it's just been someone's backyard horse, they have all these different needs. I would say the two biggest investments in terms of like my pocketbook with Wyatt have been his feet and just his overall diet and health. So generally gut health, making sure he's on a balanced diet, he's getting the calories that he needs. Sometimes being in a full boarding situation, that can be hard to convince a barn. Like this horse needs to eat more physically. He just needs more calories. I just, you know, I've had a, a few, a few times over the years where I'm just like, I understand that your warm blood or your quarter horse that is doing just as much work as my thoroughbred eats this much, but the thoroughbred and its metabolism needs so much more calories. And you just got, you got to feed them. You got to feed them or else they will look like skin and bones. There's just nothing you can do about it. You have to feed them. So sometimes I've, I felt like that's been a challenge for me as a board, as someone who has to rely on boarding. And then two, finding a farrier who's willing to work with you because when Wyatt came off the track, we pulled off his racing plates and they were like glued on like halfway up his foot. They were insane. Like how, like how they had to figure out how to keep the shoes on this horse's feet is crazy. So when we pulled them off, they clearly took so much of his foot off. He was so foot sore. And then we just had to let him be foot sore and let his foot grow for a while. I put him in boots. I, you know, we did a review of the flex horse boots that were great. But even like this horse couldn't probably still to this day can't hold a nail in his foot. You know, his his soles are just still that thin, even being on various formula and being on a balanced diet and getting plenty of alfalfa. It just takes a lot of time to rebuild that foot. So have a farrier that you trust that can help you with that. The glue on route is something that a lot of people do, but there are different ways to manage that. But it's a long, it's a long game. I think that's what a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, my horse is still lame or sore or whatever. You just, you got to think that you're changing so much of their life in such a short period of time. You just got to give them time to adapt and their body to react to that. All that applies when you get on them too, right? Like it just takes time for them to settle sometimes. I don't know, Jess, does any, any of that resonate with you? I know it's been a while since you guys have had a thoroughbred in your barn, but I know you've You've ridden plenty of them through no, the years. No, and for sure. And it all kind of goes out because, like, you've got to just give them the time. And it's a lot like, you know, if a horse has been in a situation it's not understanding, it's not just the thoroughbreds that you got to give them the time. And, yeah, you want to be able to jump in and say, hey, look, I want to go, you know, X, Y, and Z. But sometimes you need the adjustment. They need the adjustment. And just really taking that time, I think, is really, really important. Yeah, why it's really flourished over time. And yeah. I just try not to get you know, try not to get too upset or too anxious. You know, there is a, like the countdown is ticking, right? But you got to think about the long run, not just every day. Like, you know, think about the weeks. Over the week, he's been great. But like, maybe you have a bad day. We've talked about this before. Have a bad day, but don't let it set you off to like really push you back. Just kind of think, okay, I'm going to take baby steps to really grow forward. Exactly. The RRP is great. They have so many resources for trainers who sign up to do their makeover. And one of them is they have a Facebook group for all the trainers and it's really fun. You know, people post videos of their progress. Yeah. But it's also, I'm not going to lie, anxiety inducing sometimes because it's easy to feel that FOMO of like, man, I'm so behind. But, you know, there are so many people that post like, oh, I'm on the slow train. I'm barely doing yada, yada. 
you know, everyone's on their own journey exactly. through the makeover, which I think is what makes it such a cool experience, right? Because it's it, it, everyone's experience to this horse show is individual. It's all about you and this one horse and what goals you set for yourself to get there, which is so cool. And it's it's really a wonderful celebration of the breed. Obviously, as someone who events like thoroughbreds are are everywhere in eventing. So it's, it's great to see, you know, the sport really recognize the breed for what they're good at, but also, you know, the, the makeover does a ton of different disciplines. There are field hunters. If you're a Fox hunter, there's ranch and like trail stuff, there's barrel racing, hunter jumper, like anything you can think of. It's just so cool how, how it's really grown over the years. And I'm happy to keep you guys updated as we keep moving along. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited for you and for Wyatt. Thank you. Yeah, he's doing really great. So, Jess, I don't know if you guys have seen this lately, but Eagle Gold just launched this really cool program. So, obviously, there are um, Eagle Gold sponsors, a handful of riders at the top level. Doug is one of them. I know you guys ride, like, exclusively, probably, in Eagle Gold pads. but. Oh, yeah. Eagle Gold is expanding their sponsorship program and they've opened up their sponsored rider program to like to riders 18 and up who wanted to apply to be considered. And I know they've gotten a ton of applicants, which is really cool. It's open to hunter, jumper, Western, eventers, and dressage riders. But I was wondering if you can talk a little bit more about your experience from Paint Equestrian, just being sponsored by Eagle Gold through the years and what that's been like for you. Yeah, well, uh, I think you guys know this, but maybe you guys don't. So my very first sponsorship was EcoGold, actually. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's been that. that. Yeah. So it has been that many years, to be honest. Uh, so I, uh, I just fell in love with the product, and I had, you know, a thoroughbred that it saddle slipped off all the time, and I just truly believed in it, and. At first, I wasn't really uh, a full sponsored rider. I just kind of was like, you know, like getting involved and, you know, getting up the levels. And I was going advanced and uh, at the time three star, but now four star level and doing four longs and everything. And I uh, I was given all these like pads from Patricia at EcoGold to go over to England because it was a new company. And so she's like, can I give you two cross countries, uh, dressage and a show jump pad? And I was like, yeah, I would love that because my horse's saddle slipped so bad, even with a breastplate, that would be amazing. And so uh, she's like, I'd love for you to try them, see they're like, you know, just kind of get the word out. She was a brand new company. And so I go over and and she had Canadian logos on them. And so I think I was like one of the first Canadian riders, actually. She had Philip. She was, Philip was going over to compete and I was over there in England going to compete at Blenheim. So she sent me pads with the Canadian logo on them. So we go over all of this and Kyle Carter was over on the trip with us. And, you know, he's like my big brother at the time, you know, like, and still is a very good friend, but like was acting more of like a big brother type thing and making sure I was okay. It was my first overseas trip. And in the barn, he was complaining about, you know, his horse. I think it was actually uh, Madison Park at the time. Saddle slipped really bad. And I said, well, I just got these great pads. Like, you need to try one. Like, I got two cross-country pads. Why don't you try one? And so, you know, just me at the time was like, okay, this would be great. Like, why don't you try them? They're brand new. Like, I don't need two cross-country pads. I only have one horse over here. So I go and I think I then told Patricia 
hey, I gave Kyle Carter a pad. And she's like, oh my gosh, you're that generous? Like, I thought she'd actually, when I was starting to tell the story, I was like, <laughs> that might get bad. Like, I might be in trouble for this, but I don't know. So I tell her and she's like, you're being that generous? And I was like, yeah, well, he needed it just as much as I did. And I really love the products. And she's like, done. I'm going to work with you. And I was like, okay. I was like, didn't know. She has been amazing. And just, you know, even when I was trying to do the right thing, she was totally behind it. Where some people could be like, I can't believe you just gave my pad to somebody else, you know? And she was so amazing. And the company, I mean, the pads are truly unbelievable. Like we are obsessed. And so, yeah, we have exclusively been riding in them for that many years. So I'm excited to get some different riders on. And I really hope a lot of people apply because it is such amazing products and such a good business to work for. Like they're, everybody in the Eco Gold family is, is truly amazing. So, yeah. So, okay. So it started with you. That's really, that's awesome. I love to hear that. <laughs> and now, but now you guys, so tell me what, like what the relationship is like for you. Cause you guys obviously have plenty of horses in your string how often do you get pads? Do you feel like, do you have to, like, what is required of you? Like if someone was interested or considering this, you know, to, to apply for a sponsorship, like what, what does it entail? I guess, if that makes so sense. So I guess it's got to be equal uh, benefits for both people, right? Like, so sure. for both parties involved. So what I really try to do is just ask, you know, like, what do you need us to do? We post about the equal pads. I, I obviously talk about them all the time and tell of our friends and clients all use them. And so, I think uh, for our side of it is just really understanding how great the product is so that you can explain it and what the benefits of it are. So uh, throughout the years, it's been very easy for me to do it. And so I just communicate with Patricia, like kind of my needs and, you know, the Eagle family, like what my needs are. And then they express what their needs are from us, whether it's social media post or you know, we've done signings for them. We've talked to people about it, you know, just in a public setting and everything else that uh, we just try to get, I think, the word out more and more about it so that people understand it's not just a cross-country pad. It's got a dressage pad that's amazing. It's got a Western pad. It's what we use in the hunters when you can't even have a breastplate. It's amazing. So all of that, uh, I think a lot of people still don't understand all the benefits that you don't have to have all that non-slip uh, technology because it's already built into the pad. So for us as like sponsored riders, I think it's our job to kind of inform everybody so that they can use that knowledge. So then hopefully love the product as much as we do. Gotcha. So if you want to apply, you can find more information on Eagle Gold's website, which is eaglegold.ca uh, and search for the Eagle Gold Rider Sponsorship Program. All right, guys, it's time for Rose and Thorne. Who wants to go first? I can go first. Okay. So my Rose is that I am finishing my physical therapy. I have one session left at the end of the month, and then I have had like full release that I can do everything. I've been practicing jumps this month, uh, really doing more lateral stuff. And so I, um, I have one more meeting this week that I, uh, you know, will finish up the month strong and hopefully that I will get the go ahead that I am done with physical therapy finally. Wow. That's amazing. That's awesome. I know. So that would be really, really great. Like I'm so looking forward to it. 
And then my thorn is that I still think I'm a little bit of time off riding my baby because I would, as much as I would love to, and I think it's kind of a weird thorn, like I'm really excited to get back riding him. Then I see him kind of being naughty with the other young horse with Doug. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't really know about that situation. So I saw that video, Doug. Same, same. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, walked better. <laughs> so as much as like, I feel like my progress is going so well, I feel like I'm kind of you don't not need going to start so with well that on one. that side. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> I've been riding and I've been, uh, I have not jumped yet, but I'm think I'm close to jumping. And so, yeah, I feel like I'm like doing so well in so many different aspects that I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to get on icon and like go back to where I was. And then I'm like, Mm, no, maybe not. Like when I see him do that stuff, I'm like, mm. Doug's like, you're not getting on this one. And I'm like, okay. Like, so that's my thorness. It's like, you know, you're ready to go. You feel great. But then you have a little bit of a reality check, to be honest. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fair. What about you, Ellie? Uh, well, my thorn. <laughs> I'm just going to laugh because what else can you do? So I always tell Matt, right, that I'm like, I have three personal horses so that I have backups. So like if one loses a shoe, it's like a car with a flat tire, right? You just, you, you can use your other car. But obviously Batman <laughs> has been uh, in rehab for over a year and a half now, which he's doing, he's doing so well. But unfortunately he must've said something to Berkeley about how much he loves going up to Cornell or something because I did get the results of Berkeley's MRI and he has a lateral collateral ligament issue. No. So yeah. So he's off for minimum six months uh, to a year. He goes up to see if, if they can see the ligament lesions uh, with an ultrasound fingers crossed that they can, because obviously that ligament uh, only like a third of it, is visible. The rest of it is in the hoof. Cause if not, then like in order to do his like stem cells and his rejuvenation therapy for it, he would have to go under MRI, which is fine. Cause we know he fits in the standing MRI. I would just have to truck him there to get there, but I'm hoping that they can just see it with the ultrasound. So it'll be a little easier. So I won't have to drive far, <laughs> but that's my thorn is that like, I'm finally like pretty solid walk trot and I'm like feeling better and I want to be able to like enjoy my horse. And then my horse did something in the pasture where he decided it wasn't wasn't time to come out of his semi-retirement. That's <laughs> so annoying. It is annoying. And so now I told Q, I was like, look, you are my last <laughs> one. <laughs> so you have to be on your best behavior because I was supposed to take. Berkeley and Q to the Buck Brandeman Clinic in September. And I was so excited, like looking forward to it. But obviously Berkeley is not going to go to that now. So I told Q, I was like, look, that means you're now going to do both clinics, like the groundwork and the under saddle. So like I've been trying to like get him in super duper shape, which we're getting there. He still looks pregnant, but we're getting there. <laughs> and I'm just, I mean, like I'm in, I'm enjoying working with him because he's always kind of, so I guess this is my, my rose is that they're, it's kind of connected because I've always kind of put Q, I mean, just like you, Jess, right. I've put Q on the kind of the back burner 
and he turned seven this year and he's really like, I mean, he's safe for sure. And he understands what you ask him, but he's not super finished. He's not super broke. And so it's kind of nice that I'm able to use this time to like really focus on him and his progress. So that would be my rose is that I'm trying to look at the positives of that. Obviously, Berkeley and Batman don't care at all. They're just like, this is great. You never don't write us in the summer. <laughs> so, yeah, but so fingers crossed that Berkeley is uh, on the mend soon and that Q can Q can stay strong <laughs> so all I can right. take him to the clinic. I mean, I don't think with him being, you know, pregnant looking, he's not very thrilled with the whole like exercising thing, but it's good for him and it's good for me. So trying to stay positive. What about you, Justine? Oh, hang in there. I would say my rose is that we just had a check in with our vet for Mr. Michael, who is been trotting his little legs off under and rehab. And we are now trotting in circles, guys. This is a big deal. It's been a year and I can trot my horse in a circle. And we are (laughs) just weeks away from cantering um, and cantering when I ask him to, not when he decides he's going to canter. So it's it's very (laughs) exciting. But for the first time in a very long time, I can sort of see the light at the end of this insanely long, agonizing tunnel. So... Fingers crossed, Michael continues to make good decisions, and we keep heading in that way. That is my rose, for sure. My thorn is that I'm taking Wyatt to our show this weekend, and I don't know. I'm just, it's so hard to stay motivated in the summer here. It is a million degrees, like literally the surface of the sun for two weeks straight now, we've had heat advisories here and I'm just like trying to keep everybody alive, you know? And then I'm like, God, I've got, and then I'm like, Oh my God, it's 90 days until the makeover. Like I've got to keep the source going. It's insane. I just, I feel like, I feel like I'm just like running on fumes because it's just a lot to, to do all the things. I don't think I'm a person who can have two horses for the long term in the future. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm being no. honest. Especially it's boarding. <laughs> like if they lived in my yard, maybe, you know what I mean? But like keeping the two of them going, because the rehab is like, it's like my Bible, man. I I have to do the rehab rides and that takes precedent yeah, over that's hard. Wyatt. Cause I just like, I have to keep that one in work. And then I am doing my best with Wyatt uh, in the meantime, but actually my break when I, level. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy where I'm just like, this is, how do I, like my poor husband, I, he, he's very low on the list of the priorities right now. And he's, uh, <laughs> he is a good sport about it. So uh, I think Alex and Matt should make a support group. Cause I feel like Matt is in the same boat <laughs> and he's like afraid to ask about the horses. Cause he doesn't know if it's an emotional day. You know what I mean? So Oh, uh, poor guy. But I will say, I think the break, like while I was out of town on the trip with Alex, which was very nice, was good for Wyatt. Like he feels really good. He looks really good in his body. So this weekend we're just doing a combined test, but doing beginner novice, like stepping up to the two seven with the goal of doing a three phase at the end of the month. If we're still alive and haven't surrendered to the heat stroke yet, which is great because beginner novice is what we'll do at the makeover. So now I feel like all the hard work of the training is mostly behind us. And now it's just making sure why it feels confident 
incompetent at this level, right? And just the next three months is really just making sure he feels really good here. It's not like I'm having to keep asking for more after this, which is great. Like I'm somehow somewhere in all of the chaos of my life in the world, the timeline has worked out because I feel like I've got plenty of time to make sure this horse is feeling good and staying sound. And is like, now that we've reached the level that we're going to compete at, just keeping him like, just really building the confidence there. But again, I just can't pass out. That is the goal of the weekend. Just don't pass out, get through the tests. Nobody die of heat stroke. Find Uh, your own Gallagher's water. Yes, exactly. His, I'm going to put alcohol in mine though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not going to help dehydration. (laughs) We'll just make Alex spray us both down with the hose. Yeah. All right. So we got a mailbag from Sam in our Facebook group. She posted a picture of her daughter's beautiful new horse, a lovely gray, and wanted to ask if we had any advice about a horse who is afraid of fly spray. So this horse is new to them. And they're really good with the hose, like you could spray them down with water, but they don't like the spray of the bottle. Do you guys have any tips? Ellie, do you want to start? Yeah, so I actually, one of the halflingers that I was saddle breaking actually had this issue, which to be honest, I've never dealt with before. Like I've had horses who like don't like getting sprayed like by their ears, right? I feel like that's pretty normal, but this one did not like it anywhere whatsoever, And even if I was spraying a horse like on the cross ties in front of his stall, he was like hard no. So what I actually did uh, was like just fill up a spray bottle with just straight water because I didn't want to be wasting, you know, expensive fly spray. And I started just working it like as I would brush. So like the spray sound and the spray, you know, feeling came at the same time as something he was comfortable with. And I started that like in his stall, like while he was eating to kind of like just like say like look you are in a perfect environment other than the fact that you know this spraying is going to be happening but i did like other things he liked like i i would like scratch him in his itchy spots and then at the same time i was scratching it i'd be spraying him with the water so he just kind of made like a more positive association with it and it took probably like i would say like a month of that but then he was Like by the time he got back on the trailer to go home, you could fly spray him. So that would be my suggestion is trying to mix it in with like, I mean, some of them, like they won't just like, even if you're just feeding them, that's not enough. But like associating it with you doing something else, like scratching them or brushing them at the same time, that would be my uh, recommendation and filling a spray bottle with water so you don't waste your money on fly spray. Yeah. There you go. Good advice. Jess, do you have any tips? I really like the water in the fly spray bottle because I never thought of that because I always just use the fly spray and it goes usually on the ground or whatever else. But at the time I'm like, okay, well, it's probably helping the ground too. So that's fine. But so anytime they don't like the spray or whatever, same thing every day, just spray it a little bit on their legs, you know, and have them in the cross ties. Like they're not, so you're not chasing them in a stall or whatever. So then I just start like with their legs and then make no big deal of it or put it like in the noise next to them and put it on the brush and then do it so that you're just kind of slowly every day incorporating a little bit more of the spray noise that he's not comfortable with. Yeah, that's exactly what I did with Wyatt. Cause he, was one that was terrified of fly spray. I did everything you guys just suggested where I even to groom him. Cause he was so antsy. I just would groom him while he was eating. Like whether he had a hay bag tied in a stall or I gave him something in his bucket. 
until he got comfortable. And the same thing with the fly spray. I started with the legs, then I sprayed on the brush or a rag and wipe it on him until eventually it became a non-issue, you know? So you just got to be ready to put the time in. Um, it it they, takes a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll figure it out, though. You'd be surprised. So if you have a question for us and you'd like us to answer it on the air, you can always send us an email. Our email is hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or you can join our Facebook group. It's the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. We always have really fun conversations there. So we recommend joining. And if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Spark, which is our daily equestrian newsletter. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash sparkbyhd. We want to say thank you to our partners this week. Clip My Horse TV. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.